All right, let's get into today's uh, lesson. So we are really smack dab in the middle of a series that is called How to Read the Bible. We started this at the open of the new year. And what we said from the beginning here is that our desire is through the course of this series that we can find a new paradigm, ultimately the true intended biblical paradigm, to read scripture through. Every one of us, because of our experiences and our traditions, we come to reading scripture through a certain lens. And sometimes that cannot you know, necessarily be a helpful lens. And so we talked about some of the ways that that can happen. And I think some of the ways, especially in, in the modern West, that we trip up in that endeavor. So we've been working through what is the actual biblical paradigm and perspective that we are to, to look through. So uh, we, we started by talking about how the Bible is both human and divine. We talked about how uh, this has traveled through human hands and human hearts and human history and human experiences, but we believe that it, it brings to us a genuine word from God. We believe that it is inspired by God from beginning to end, not only of the book, but of the process. And we very much believe in that and, and trust in that. And uh, so we continued to move forward. We talked about how this is unified literature. It's unified in its narrative story. It's unified in its collection and how it's been composed. And so it's uh, something that we very much need to understand. And then last week, we talked about how it's messianic literature. Ultimately, what the Bible is about is Messiah. In other words, God is ultimately gonna bring about healing and restoration and his will in and through somebody. And we as Christians believe that that is through Jesus. And so that's how we live our lives. That's what, what shapes and forms us as individuals. And so we're gonna continue to move forward, just build this paradigm out more and more. Yeah, and I just wanna say, you know, um, we, we all kind of have different walks of life, different experiences, different paradigms coming into this. And, um, and while sometimes if you have a certain... Paradigm shifts are tough, period. Like, yeah. no matter what it is, they're, they're tough because it's challenging whatever your current, you know, understanding is. Um, but I do, I do want to say that um, for me, coming into this, I did have an experience, a, a teaching, an upbringing that gave me a lot of teaching of Bible, his scripture. And, um, and so while this is a paradigm shift... And it has caused me to have to unwind some things and work through some things and kind of stumble through some things. Uh, ultimately, it, it drawed me closer to him um, through it all. So things that while I had um, some teachings that took place that maybe came from a different paradigm, it still gave me some foundations that I could come from. And that, through all of this, I don't want this to crumble foundation. I want this to be something that actually says, oh, you know what? I've, I've heard about that. I saw it this way, but this is, I'm seeing it now a different way. And that's exciting. And now I feel like I understand. In fact, it makes more sense to me now that I see it that way. And so uh, I just want to make sure from the standpoint of like paradigm shifts are tough. Sometimes you have to struggle and stumble your way through them. But ultimately, we want this to draw us closer to him, to grow grow in him to understand him more and more and more. So that is definitely the goal here. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what we want to talk about today is that the Bible is meditation literature. 
This is kind of the next principle or foundation that, that builds out a good and right paradigm. And uh, to me, this is one of the most important ones. I think uh, on the base level, it's one of the more simple concepts, but I think it's one of the most important in terms of actually seeing scripture how it's intended to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so meditation, let's break that down a little yeah. bit so that we got a good understanding of that because we're not talking about kind of the meditation that we think of really today in like the emptying of our mind, right? Like that's, that's kind of what we think of meditation today yeah. is this clearing of our mind. Blank, blank canvas, yes. mindfulness. Yes. Yeah, so, Good yeah. practices. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about when it comes to reading scripture. When we say that we are supposed to meditate on this, what we simply mean is we are supposed to, to ponder and, and contemplate over a, a course of, of time, allow these things to circulate in our hearts and in our minds, and, and that is ultimately what shapes and forms us. Yeah, so like there's times where um, I'll read something, I'll watch something, I'll listen to something, and at first pass, I'm like, okay, hang on, like what was that? Like I'm still trying to get that, and as I just like push pause on whatever that is, and I begin to just kind of circulate, like you said, and repeat that in my mind. It's like drilling into me. That's more of what we're talking about. Yeah. So really, the, the reason that it is this way is because this is a specific style and feature of ancient Israelite Jewish uh, literature. So we, we've talked about this. We keep repeating it, but it's, it's worthwhile. When we pick up the Bible, we are not reading modern literature. We're not reading a book like it is written today. Um, today, we are very rational. We're very logical. So even when we're telling a story, it has a very clear beginning and middle and end. We're going down a very clear linear path. But this literature is not written that way. It's not intended to be read that way. And, and so the reason that is, is because there are these designs and these themes, these really complex things that they're building out. And so they want you to think about it. They want you to go into deep thought and meditation on what these things are really leading us towards. So uh, Devin and I made a, a bit of a statement here on how we think this ultimately plays out. So we'll put this up, up on the board. But, but here's what we have to say. The Bible is not a list of philosophical proofs, but is instead meditation literature that is designed to be read, reread, and meditated upon as it forms and shapes us over the course of a lifetime. A lifetime. A lifetime. Yeah. So I want you to like soak in each part of that. It's designed. So this is a, a purposeful feature to be read, reread, and meditated upon throughout the course of your life. Yeah. So the writers themselves, as they're writing, are not trying to resolve the tension for us. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to, as much as we want to resolve, we want that logical next whatever, mm -hmm. they're not trying to resolve it. They're trying to create yeah. that tension. Yeah. And so the very thing that we want to do, they're, they're almost doing the opposite. They're trying to create yeah. that tension. Well, resolving tension is one of the main features of our written communication today. Again, that's, that's what logical means, right? We want to resolve that. They're purposely doing the opposite. They're building these things up. Um, like, uh, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? They don't answer that for you. They're building up attention so that you meditate upon that and you think through that. Why would God do that? What does that mean about the larger story? And boom, you're into exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah, I even think about like uh, teaching the kids something, you know, trying to teach something, whatever it might be. Um, it's, gonna, it's gonna soak in, it's gonna stick a lot more if I help them get to it themselves. 
right? If I try to help guide them to it rather than flat out just tell them. Mm. Uh, in any story, any movie we watch, any book we read purposely creates that tension in the story to the point a good one is to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, some, someone do something, you know? And it's that tension that builds. But does, does that feel like nails on a chalkboard to anyone else where it's like they're purposely creating tension? Like uh, when we were talking about this, I started chuckling because I'm like, that is the exact opposite of everything we want. Mm-hmm. But yet it, as we lean into it, yeah. it actually brings so much color and light to things. Yeah, it's a much more powerful way to communicate and, uh, and so we have to understand that. So w- there's been an interesting, I think, shift over the really the last century or so. And this is even taught in, in seminary a lot of times, but uh, like the concept that the Bible should be easy to read. Like it should just, it's really clear. It's really simple. So spend some time in it each day. Go ahead and download those facts and uh, apply them to your life and boom, you're good to go. And, um, and a lot of us think, well, certainly that's how God would communicate. To us, He would want to be really clear and, and resolve the tension for us. But the truth is, is when we have that perspective, we are forcing a modern approach onto an infinite God and an ancient form of literature. We're forcing that on it because that's not how it's intended to be. So we're talking about an ancient people, an ancient culture, ancient language, ancient literature, and we have to honor that. We have to honor that over the course of our lifetime, we are to read, reread, and meditate upon these things, and that's what will lead us to wisdom and understanding. Yes, and, and at the same time, there are things that are clear. Mm-hmm. Like, we, it is clear what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the gospel is clear. And so, like, the, I don't want that to be just a blanket statement. Yeah. The, the, you know, there are things that are clear. Yeah, the, the, the truth is this literature is far more creative and artistic than we're used to. And that's scary for us because it feels like, well, is this just an open playground where we can think and believe whatever we want to think and believe? That's not what's happening. They are still purposely taking us on a journey, yeah. but, but the path is a different path yeah. than we're used to. Yeah. And so we have to very much understand that. So uh, where do we get this concept of meditating on scripture? And uh, we get it within scripture. So hopefully that's helpful for you to know. We see it in, in Psalm 1. You can go read that. We're gonna show you in, in Joshua 1 because I really like how it's stated in here. So this is what it says in verse eight. Uh, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we see this idea throughout scripture and what they're saying is a good and proper way to read scripture is to meditate on it day and night. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the English word meditate here comes from the Hebrew word Hagah. And Hagah does give us this clear understanding of to meditate, to imagine, to ponder. We, We get that. Interesting though, it gives us a different sense of the word too because it also means to, to murmur or mumble. Mm-hmm. Like there's this audible sense of this word. So actually in, in the Bible, uh, this is in Isaiah, it talks about it as the lion prowls over its prey. So like if you can imagine a lion and like as it's standing over its prey, like that deep growl that, that you're hearing, it's the, the, the word Hagah. So uh, w- what's happening here is we have to understand in biblical times, they did not have the Bible like we have it today. 
They didn't have the codex, all of these scrolls between two covers. That's not what they had at all. In fact, even the synagogues maybe had one or two of the scrolls. Um, Maybe a really, really, really rich person would have like one of the scrolls that they could read in, in their own home. So, so they conceived of these and related with these in a totally different way. Yeah. They couldn't just go home and read the Bible. So what they had to do is they had to memorize it. Mm-hmm. That's the way that they studied scripture. We, we often talk about how like by 12 years old, they had the Torah memorized. We're like, wow, that's amazing. Well, they had to do that in order to know the scripture because mm-hmm. they didn't have it at their disposal. And so um, oftentimes what they would do as they're memorizing is they're walking around from place to place. They're literally like mumbling the scriptures underneath their breath. Mm -hmm. Be strong and courageous for God is with you wherever. They're just like reciting it over and over and over again. And so this is how they would meditate on scripture. I mean, just repeating something like that, murmuring and drilling that in, uh, just you simply saying that right there, like be strong and courageous. Like if you're just, repeating that like mm-hmm. over and over as you go through your day mm-hmm. like how different of a day would you have just in that um i i don't know why i thought of this but i was thinking of you know uh there's videos or movies of uh someone gets in trouble and at detention they gotta write the same thing over mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. you know just like on the chalkboard over and over and over and over and just like drilling in i will not you know, hit so-and-so or whatever it was. Like, it's just repeating that over yeah. and over and over. I, we had lunch this week, <laughs> and and we were uh, with mom and dad. And dad was like, yeah, mom will get to these points uh, during the day where she'll just say, okay, stop. And then she'll start, like, talking to herself of what that next step is that she's supposed to do at work. And she'll just start repeating that because it's it's getting you focused on what you need to be focused on. All the noise and distraction and chaos that's happening, when you murmur and repeat that, it's drilling that into to your psyche yeah. in, in that moment. Yeah. So let's talk a, a little bit about why it's set up this way. Like, why would we need to meditate on this or, or ponder these things? And so let, let's go back to the idea. This isn't modern literature. It's not written in that way. It's written in a very artistic way. And uh, so one of the key themes that, that we see, we're gonna get a little bit nerdy here for a little bit, okay? So please try to follow along with us. But uh, one of the things we see very clearly throughout scripture is these design patterns. Yeah. So um, we, we have rhythms and, and we have repetition and we have designs that are happening that oftentimes we'll read right over through our modern lens. But really important things are, are happening within that. Um, so one of the, the really common ways that we see this is called chiasms. And this is an ancient form of poetry. So I, I think we're all somewhat familiar with poetry. Poetry has these rhythms to it, right? So like today, we'll have a one, two, one, two, one, two, right? And there are rhymes and there are repetitions that are leading you down that rhythm. Sometimes poems are one, two, three, three, two, one. One, two, three, three, two, one. And they're designing it that way to bring about some sort of concept, right? That yeah. you are to dig into and understand. Dr. Seuss right now. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so chiasms work the same exact way. And scripture is full of chiasms. I mean, from start to finish, it's amazing as you, you study this. Um, they do it on a macro level and they do it on a micro level. So for example, when we look at the Torah, first five books of the Bible, if, if we were to take it at each end, the beginning and the end, if we go to the middle is the book of Leviticus. If we go to the very middle of the book of Leviticus, the, the middle section of Torah is all about atonement. So it's designed this way. 
so that as you're reading Torah forwards and backwards, you see that at the heart of Torah is all about atonement. And then you're supposed to meditate upon that. Why is that so important? What does that mean for me and for my community? And then, of course, as Christians, what does that mean in light of Jesus? And we're making these connections, right? So it's a really clear design of how they're setting it up. So so then we kind of squeeze inwards, and we see this happening with um, some larger stories within the Bible. So uh, one of the really clear ones is with Abraham. So if you're reading the story of Abraham, and these are the types of things you need to be looking for and, and paying attention to. You begin the story of Abraham, and early on, his name is Abram at this point, but, but there's a story where um, he lies to a foreign ruler about who his wife is. He says, it's my sister. We, we see this story and some interesting consequences. Well, you keep reading the story of Abraham, and towards the end of the Abraham story, almost the same exact thing happens. And you're like, wait, did I go backwards? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the same exact story. What's going on? Well, they're designing it this way. It's a chiasm. So you have a beginning and you have an end. And so what they want you to do is they want you to squeeze to the center of that to see the point of the story. So we'll put this on the screen for you how this works. And as as it squeezes inward, you see the similarities throughout. So we'll see the beginning of the story all the way to the end of the story. And at each level, we see patterns. We see these rhythms that are happening within the story. And if you go to the very middle of the story, it's all about covenant. So what the writer is saying is this story about Abraham is all about my covenant faithfulness to him and his descendants. And then again, as Christians, we read that all the way in and through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the covenant of God over our lives. So you see, they're they're designing it this way. We're supposed to be digging in and seeing what the story is all about. We move inward. We, we even see this in like single scriptures or maybe a few scriptures. So the book of Psalms, we know that this is full of poetry, so it's really clear to see these things, but we'll give you another example on a smaller scale. Um, so if we can pull this one up, Psalm 22, you'll see that the, the beginning and the end talks about the earth, the cosmos. As you squeeze inward, it talks about the nations. So we're getting a little bit more tight. And then right there in the middle is what the whole thing is about. For the kingdom is the Lord's. In other words, what the writer is saying is we've got the earth and everything within it and all creation. We've got the nations and these rulers who are trying to take power. The only thing that matters is the kingdom is the Lord's. So you see how that works? So so there, there are these designs, these rhythms, these patterns all throughout scripture that we are to pay attention to. They're trying to speak to us in a really creative way. And so we have to be given to that. Um, so they, they do this for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they do it for memorization. Again, they had to memorize scripture. So they would put these patterns in place so that they could memorize it very easily. Um, oftentimes it was to, to see the central point. So everything's squeezing to the middle to see what it's ultimately about. But another reason they do, they do this is because you're supposed to read it forwards and backwards see the similarities, but then look at the differences. And really in the differences of the story is where there's gonna be some sort of philosophy or concept that we are supposed to be given to, okay? Yep. So let's take a breath for a second, all right? So, so here's the point, here's the point. You would only see that, understand that, and be able to, to operate within that if you're meditating on the scripture day and night. That's it. You have to read and reread and reread and meditate upon these things. And as you do that, suddenly these design patterns and these things come to light in a really beautiful way. Yeah, I mean, how many have read the Bible, read the same thing uh, one time, you read it however long later, you're like, hold up, I don't even remember that. Like, what? 
And then you read it another time, you're like, hold on, I've read this thing how many times? And I'm still, how did I miss that? It seems so obvious now. The, the repetition and the repeating of that, the meditating upon that is what's going to bring to light all of, all of the nooks and crannies that are built within, which yeah. then, you know, you take something like that and it's like, whoa, that is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. it's all pointing to this. I didn't really quite understand, like, where it was going, but as I've sat on that, mm-hmm. it comes to life, and, and it's amazing. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, as you study this, you'll see it all over the place. The creation narrative. The Bible opens up with one yeah. big chiasm, yeah. and the center point of that is the concept of Sabbath, mm-hmm. of rest. So, so the writer is saying, from the beginning, this is what the story is all about. Uh, all about. I want you to trust in me. I want you to rest in me. So this is littered all throughout, and that's why we have to meditate upon it. Yeah, and that one's mirrored a little bit differently, right? Like yeah. day one ties to day four, day two yeah. to day yeah. five, day... You a know. different rhythm. Yeah, so yeah. it's not mirrored, it's, it's you know, kind of repeated. Yeah, yeah. So an- another way that we see this, we've talked a lot about this, is common themes throughout Scripture. And there, there are some really obvious ones that we see. We talked about the main theme yeah. last week. But then we see these really interesting ones, like trees. Trees are a common theme Throughout the Bible, we see it from the very beginning, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. And then we carry that forward and we see a burning bush on top of a hill with Moses and some crazy things happening there. And then we move things forward and we learn that um, there are idols out of wood on top of mountains that were being worshiped by the people. We just keep carrying this theme forward and then we get to the New Testament and of course we see Jesus is crucified upon a tree. So what the writer is symbolizing is Jesus is the tree of life. Through him comes life. And, and so they're, they're inviting us into this really creative way of communication. We uh, talked last week about chaotic waters. So in ancient times, they viewed big bodies of, of water as just chaos, right? Which it really is in reality. But, but they would carry that through the narrative. Genesis 1, we see chaotic waters. We carry that into Noah, chaotic waters. Into Moses, chaotic waters. Into Jonah, we see it all the way through. And then in the New Testament, we see this idea of baptism. You go through the waters and are saved on the other side. Yeah. So again, a design that's happening from beginning to end. Uh, we see it with exile. Adam and Eve are exiled from the garden. We keep moving that forward. The end of Hebrew scriptures is that the people are exiled from their homeland. So we, we continue to see these themes. So again, meditate upon that. We ponder that. What does that mean? What is that leading us towards? And there is where wisdom finds us. Yeah, and, and you know, if, when we go back to the Hebrew scriptures, we look at um, you know, the law. Right, like we look at the law, and, and many times, you know, we read that as law in the way that's like the letter of the law. But even that is meant to be meditated yep. upon, and and so we take uh, do not murder, right? Do not murder. Well, really clear, black and white. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, but then. Jesus starts to unpack that more yeah. for us, right? So as you meditate upon that, yeah. okay, so how do, I, how do I not murder? Well, well maybe, what, is that, what does that look like? Um, well, I probably shouldn't hate them to the point where I want to, mm-hmm. to murder them. Um, and I don't really want to murder like friends of mine or family. It's, it's typically someone that, you know, I see as an enemy. So I, I should probably not even hate my enemy. And Jesus unpacks yeah. that, but it's as we meditate upon it. Yeah. You know, if you just take it as do not murder, okay, got it yeah. done, move on. And then you're back to Genesis 1. We're all made in the image of God. We're all inherently significant and valuable. And so, so you're supposed to ponder that and realize what's yeah. underneath. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, but do not make images. 
That's within the Ten Commandments, and you're supposed to meditate. Why, why would that be within the law? Well, it's taking you back to the idea that we are the images of God. Yeah. And so creating images is not only an assault on God as creator, but on us as his creation. And so then you start understanding what that's all about. I was thinking about do not covet. I was meditating upon that a little bit. And boom, you're ushered right into so many New Testament principles of contentment and gratitude and trust, right? But, but this only comes by way of, of pondering and circulating things through your heart and your mind. Yeah, another way that I, I think of it is through parables where we get to this, you, you have to meditate upon it. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus taught on these, through these parables many, many times. And um, he almost and- primarily teaches through parables. And it's, you know, as he taught these parables, everyone was like, oh, yeah, I get it immediately. Like, let's just go. Right. But it, his, his disciples who are following him, spending all their time with him, they have to go to him afterward like, yo, can you break that down for me? Because I, I didn't get all of that. And so the ones that are closest to him are asking like, hey, I didn't quite get that. Because he's, he's saying it in a way through these parables that we are able to meditate we're able to, to let that resonate inside yeah. of us to really understand, like, what was he trying to say? What is he trying to teach me through this parable? And it's kind of cool nowadays, you know, it's been proven that what sticks most, what we remember most are those stories. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to, one, it helps us memorize. Yeah. But two, it helps us to come to the realization through the, uh, the meditating where we come to the realization ourselves it becomes a much more effective teaching that's going to last with us, stick with us, form us, like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's one thing for Jesus to say, uh, forgive, right? You're like, okay, I'll forgive. It's a whole nother to, to read a story about how a woman caught in adultery is thrown at his feet and to watch what he does in response to that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, you get chills and you're like, oh, okay, like, we're really supposed to forgive, right? And so it opens us up in, in new and, and beautiful ways. So um, here's one thing that I, I wanna call out with this. We're just scratching the surface with these things. So honestly, it's, it's really complex, really complicated stuff. But here's what, what I do wanna say. Um, I don't want us to be discouraged by that. Yeah. Because I think when we start tapping away at some of these things, we can be like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna know any of this. There's no way that this is gonna make sense to me at any point, so I'm not even gonna mess with it. But, but ultimately, this is an invitation into growth and into learning, and we have to see it through that lens. That's, it's a lifetime that we are supposed to be learning and growing in these things. Yeah, um, we were just talking about yesterday, teaching the kids things. Um, you know, like Roman's young guy, and um, <laughs> God's testing my patience through it because, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's so elementary for me, for him to just read or understand how to subtract. You know, it, it's, it seems really elementary to me. So I'm like, bro, just get it. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. It's like right there, just get it. But I, I was there too. Mm-hmm. And so as I was beginning to learn how math works, mm-hmm. you know, it started with, you know, what are numbers? Okay, let me learn what numbers are. And then, okay, let's add them together. Let's subtract them all the way through calculus. Like that's how, it, that's how we learn things is it starts elementary mm-hmm. and then we drill in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And we drill in a little bit more and we drill yeah. to where we, we learn. That's what we do with everything. Yeah. This is no different. Like yeah. we have to continue to meditate, take it in, dig yeah. deeper, and then we learn more. Like life is really complex, guys. 
Like, we, we, we know that. We live that out. It's really, relationships are really complex. Learning is really complex, right? And so we, we have to take the same approach with Scripture. It's really complex, but it's an invitation into something really beautiful. Uh, I, I think about an analogy of, like, music. Like, everybody enjoys music on some level, right? Like, you can turn on a song, and you can enjoy the rhythm or the melody or the words. Anybody can go into it and, and, and enjoy that. But then there are people who take that the next step and you get into chord progressions and and you get into BPMs and then you move forward and you're into music theory and then you give your life to it and you're a producer or a lyricist or whatever, right? There are levels of this. And and so we, we just have to understand that this is a lifetime process in play. And if we will honestly just humble ourselves, honor what God has given us in these writings, it will open up our world in, in, a, in ways that we cannot even imagine. It has in my life, and I know it will continue to. And, and so I, I just want to encourage everybody into that journey.